The Late Morning Program with Nam Ras Podcast. Hi Krishna, everyone. You're listening to the Late Morning Program with Nam Ras, the number one Hare Krishna podcast in the world. I'm very honored to have uh, Yadavendra Prabhu here on the podcast today uh, to come and talk about. Uh, he's actually one of the producers of the new, uh, amazing new book uh, biography about Tripad Ayendra Prabhu. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about his life. We're going to talk about the kind of like the um, background of, you know, the different aspects of the book, the main points of the book. Um, and also uh, just what we want to, you know, we want we want to communicate to devotees about the book. So um, with that, Yadavendra Prabhu, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much um, also for, for hosting me and hosting the idea about speaking about this biography. Hare Krishna. Yeah, so I, I, um, I'm so glad to, to speak to you. And I actually started reading the book on Kindle, although I don't know many copies that are in the U.S. yet. But I saw that it's on Kindle, so I, I ordered it. And I, mm-hmm. I actually could not put it down after, you know, I've read like 30 pages in a row. And for me, that's that's quite an accomplishment. So um, yeah. I'm really excited to hear about it. But first of all, let's talk about yourself first so the devotees understand um, you and your connection with this and with Ayendra Prabhu as well. But to tell us a little bit about how you, uh, where you grew up and how you got co- in contact with um, Krishna consciousness. Well, <clears throat> I was born into Krishna consciousness, fortunately. Um, my father was handed a Krishna book by a beggar. Um, he read it and he just told my mother we're going in the wrong direction in life. And then a few years later, I was born. But um, we, I grew up in Leicester in UK. And that became like a place where a lot of devotees would come um, and spend the night to take almost like it was like the stopover point, you know. Um, so devotees like Tribhuvanath Prabhu, anyone who was preaching, um, you know, in different parts of England at that time, they would stop at our house. Um, and then they would continue like, you know, their preaching tour. So uh, we were just fortunate to have a lot of devotees come over and then we got their association. And so I kind of grew up um, in that atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, when did you first go to Vrindavan and kind of discover who Ayendra Prabhu was? um, Sorry, 1998. um, We we had heard of Ayendra Prabhu's um, Vrindavan Mellows, but I actually pictured someone in my mind who looked like Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur for some reason. You know, like (laughs) just like an Indian person, an Indian bodied person. And when we went to Vrindavan, I went reluctantly. I didn't want to go. I wanted to play golf. I was going through my teenage um, sort of, you know, ideas at that time. But I was forced to go. And when we went to the Vrindavan temple, one of the tunes that we heard in Vrindavan Mellows on cassette, um, my mom said, oh, look, that devotee who sings that tune in that cassette, he's singing. So we all went to see and I was shocked because it was a white-bodied devotee. It was Ainda Prabhu singing. So... And it was quite interesting because we didn't expect it. And then something drew my family to him um, at that particular time. Yeah. So that was the first encounter. Wonderful. Tell us tell us a little bit about um, the book in the sense of how did that idea come about yeah. to create a, a biography? So obviously, Ayanda Prabhu left this world um, in 2010. And then I remember um, I had spent more and more time with him, like over the years. Initially, the meetings were like I was nervous meeting him. But then the meetings got more and more. We became very you know, known to each other. And then when he passed away in 2010, I just thought, look, I did spend some time with him, but not like the equivalent amount of time as some of the 24-hour Kirtaniyas, people like Gopal Prabhu. Um, you know, Govinda Prabhu, some of them. So I just thought someone should write a book, but I never thought that I would be involved in any way. But in 2012, Ram Roy Prabhu, who I developed a really good relationship with in the wake of Ainda Prabhu leaving, you know, you become closer with those people who were with him. Um, So he just contacted me and said that um, Satyaraj Prabhu, um, Stephen Rosen, he 
is suggesting that we should write a book about Ainger Prabhu's life. And that was kind of the, um, the start of the idea. Mm-hmm. And then how did it yeah. develop? Because I know it, 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 it went through its phases, right? Yeah, it did. So with Satyaraj Prabhu, it was, it was interesting because, you know, he's, he's a well-known writer um, and he's quite senior. And I was um, speaking to Akinjan Krishna Prabhu at that time, um, who was helping, you know, with the idea that, you know, we, sh- we should um, go through this. And in fact, um, Satyaraj Prabhu said Akinjan Krishna can do the interviews. But as we developed, what we thought was that the writer actually should be somebody who is not on a god brother level to Aindra Prabhu, because you know, a god brother writing a book and a disciple writing the book is different. A disciple or someone who considers themselves to be a follower, I guess they would put much more heart into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the the I think when you're writing a normal biography, it's almost like, you know, you just weigh like this was the good side and this was the other side. But when it comes to Vaishnav biographies, it's it's a glorification rather than just a, uh, like a balanced view. So as we were going, we thought that it should be someone maybe like Ram Roy Prabhu um, or someone who really respected Ainda Prabhu who should write the book. Um, mm-hmm. And so we... You know, it wasn't an easy decision, but when we consulted with quite a few people, we felt that, um, you know, it should be someone else who should write the book. But then in that process, not a lot of people kind of came forward, like Ram Roy Prabhu said that he's not in the mental space to write the book. It was very difficult for him. Um, and um, he was also busy in New York, kind of like setting up the New York Kirtan Yatra. And you know, so we went through so many options and finally um, someone called Vraj Kishore Prabhu was kind of placed in front of us. So he had never really sp- spoken to Ainder Prabhu, but um, a phenomenal writer, really loved Ainder Prabhu. And it was agreed that many people would kind of feed him information who were close to him. So Akinshan Prabhu would do kind of like very in-depth research um, and interviews of devotees who were close to Ainda Prabhu. Um, and, you know, that was the way in which we would gather information. And it would just be Vraj Kishore's um, writing um, that would kind of represent all the different inputs coming from um, those that were close to him. So that was kind of like the second phase of Vraj Kishore Prabhu writing. Um, but we faced a little bit of a challenge there because some of the people who are close to him, they said, how can Vraj Kishore, someone who's never met Ainda Prabhu, um, spend time with him? How can he accurately represent this? Um, and that is one side of the argument. But, you know, it it wasn't the strongest argument because, you know, Ainda Prabhu had never really met Srila Prabhupada. But it doesn't mean that, you know, he couldn't write about Srila Prabhupada from his point of view. But they did have some validity to that. So it was always a little bit of a challenge trying to get Aindra Prabhu's kind of close people on board with this project. Um, And then Danuda Maharaj, um, who was very, you know, kind of keen on this, um, on helping us with this project. um, He was such a favorable person, actually. So Danuda Maharaj um, he came set and said, we should get Kalachanji Prabhu to edit. Um, now, not a lot of people know this, but Kalachanji Prabhu was the editor for Ainda Prabhu's own book, The Heart of Transcendental Book Distribution, but he didn't want his name to be mentioned. He's also the younger brother of Tamal Krishna Maharaj, right? He's also an ex-English um, professor. So when you put all these things together, um, that makes for a very good candidate to actually edit Ainda Prabhu's book. But in the course of editing, um, he had edited it so much to the point where it didn't almost resemble what Vraj Kishore Prabhu had written. Not that what Vraj Kishore Prabhu had written was wrong, um, but it just, there was so much more information coming in because in the initial stages, there was like this much information. But as we went along, more and more information came, more interviews were done, more in-depth interviews were done. 
you know. And also Mahabhagwat Prabhu suddenly came at a very later stage and gave us huge information to make it much more accurate and substantial. And so it ended up just being that Kalachanji Prabhu ended up writing almost like a new book. So it wouldn't have been fair to, um, you know, almost say that Prajkishore Prabhu was the author, even though this was the intention, um, you know, in the middle. Um, and Kalachanji Prabhu being an English professor, he gave a lot of balance um, to the book. He wrote it in a way that is, is actually really sincere. So you hear Ayindra Prabhu in that work, um, but it's also just really professionally written. Um, some senior sannyasi actually commented that never has there been a biography written to this professional standard in ISKCON before. Wow, that's yeah. That's I mean that says a lot. When when you yes. kind of were thinking of 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 this, and then as this was going on, what did you want the emphasis to be in the sense of of Ayanda Prabhu's life? Because there's so many aspects to his life and yeah. to his the things he stood for, etc. So, what did you want the emphasis to be? I particularly didn't want there to be any emphasis. Um, I just wanted there to be accuracy. I wanted the information to be accurate. I wanted people almost to know what Aindra Prabhu was in essence. Every In every devotee's life, there's always some aspects which can appear to be controversial if you don't know them very well, right? And, and I didn't want those things to kind of make it because that's not who they are generally. You know, that's like, it's almost like an activity which is, you know, not really who they are majority of the time, right? Like just, just for example, like let's say in frustration, someone just screams, you know, because so many things have happened in their life. They could be a sannyasi, they could be anybody, but they scream so loud. And you capture that and you put that in the biography and you say, oh, this, and then the sannyasi scream. But, you know, that's maybe once or twice in, the, in their life they've, they've screamed. So the point is to have majority of what Ainda Prabhu's heart was, um, and always like what his where his wavelength was, I wanted that to be represented. And I wanted people to really understand who he was because a lot of people I think misunderstood Ainda Prabhu. This is the this is the biggest thing. Because he was not easily approachable. Like my own father, who's a you know pretty successful business person, who's not scared of anybody, really. You know, if you see his nature, is kind of like, you know, he can sit in a room with anyone. He was intimidated by Ainda Prabhu in the beginning. Um, so it wasn't easy to get close to Ainda Prabhu. He had this kind of like air about him, right? But once you broke through that, he was like an amazingly, you know, there was a very sweet and gentle side, intense, even in that sweetness and gentleness, but you could really feel that coming through. And not a lot of people got to experience that. And that's what I also wanted people to, um, you know, understand through the book. Right. <clears throat> Yeah, it's 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 interesting how when writing a biography, there are certain things that that will eventually that you know people will have a more holistic view, more comprehensive view of someone that they might have not yeah. known previously or has had some kind of preconceived notion of someone. Um, so yeah, that's really great. And then what about as far as um, now that the book is written and it's out? Um, I know we were talking earlier about kind of like the main points. So can we outline perhaps like the three main points of the book that, that are kind of expressed there? Yeah. So the, the first thing um, is if you, if you um, go through Andrew Prabhu's lectures um, and if you go through his life, especially the later part where, because majority of the later part was spent in Vrindavan, you'll see one very um, strong theme come through. And that is that, so, so, so the first of those three themes is that in no particular order, but he really wanted devotees who were qualified not to be scared of adopting Raganuga Sadhana Bhakti. And he emphasized that at the end of the day, a lot of devotees confuse bhava bhakti 
and Raganuga Sadhana Bhakti. Raganuga Sadhana is a type of practice. So within um, Sadhana Bhakti or the Sadhana that we're doing, there is two, um, you know, there are two ways. And one is Vedi, which is, you know, impelled by rules and regulations out of a sense of duty because, you know, I should do it. My guru has told me to do it. I don't want to disappoint him. Um, and a lot of devotees say, you know, it's, it's, it's really good that I got initiated because now I know I'll chant my 16 rounds and I know that I'll follow the regulative principles, all those things. But Ainda Prabhu wanted devotees to move towards Raganuga, Sadhana, Bhakti, and to be impelled by an attraction towards the Lord. And he emphasized a lot of devotees being what, they, what he called Raganuga phobia, Raganuga phobic. Too scared when they are qualified to actually go down that, but they're just scared of it because, because it became like a taboo word um, um, in ISKCON unfortunately. And there's a very good reason why it became, unfortunately, like a little bit of a controversial term. Um, but he, but I think what happens in, in, in every situation, you need a balance, right? Like, um, you know, balance is, is key in many things, except bhakti, right? <laughs> balance is, is great. In bhakti, if you have a lot of bhakti and it's not balanced with the material world, actually great. That's the only thing which shouldn't be balanced. But everywhere else, what you see is that during um, bhakti uh, Vinod Thakur's time and bhakti Siddhanta's time, um, there was a lot of sects which um, had um, deviated from the original teachings of Mahaprabhu. And I think a majority of the devotees will have heard of them, known them. These were like 12 or 13 deviant sects. Um, and I have personally witnessed it. I didn't realize the seriousness of the problem until I actually witnessed it myself. So I, I went to kind of like a Bengali function and I saw that after drinking, and eating like mutton and chicken and all these things, the 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 Bengalis were actually doing kirtan of like things like brahmargeet and really like you know deep flavors of um, of bhakti to do with Radha and Krishna, but as a matter of culture, dung you know around, and that's when I understood what Bengali Vaishnavism in the general sense had become. And therefore, a lot of the respected people of the society actually didn't respect Vaishnav culture. My own father-in-law, because I'm married to a Bengali family, my own father-in-law un um, unfortunately had this view. Um, when you say, oh, he's a Vaishnav, it's almost like a swear word. It's almost like attributing a low-class mentality to somebody. Wow. And that's... That's the unfortunate part. So I really, I saw Sahajiaism kind of in my face. Um, and I think so, so the over caution, uh, the over cautionary emphasis became so much so that people who should be, um, should allow their heart to flow into kind of the those of sweetness of bhakti, um, they, they didn't do so. Right. Um, and Ainda Prabhu was trying to say, look, we've overdone it here. Right. You're doing you're doing bhakti. You're fine. You're following the regulative principles. You're not eating mutton and drinking, you know, red label and, you know, pretending that you're something that you're not. Um, just go into this territory because it's so beautiful. This is where you will. This is how you will enter Braj. This is how you will enter enter Brati, which is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu um, came to give. So that was one very strong theme, um, which is there um, kind of throughout Ainda Prabhu's life, and it's also highlighted in the book. Hmm. Okay. And then, and then there is like the, you know, Harinam Sankirtan okay. aspect okay. as well, right? Yes. And then, so I guess the, the, the second um, emphasis comes of, um, Harinam um, Sankirtan. And I think this is where, you know, Ainda Prabhu got a lot from Nam Sankirtan. You know, in his, 
you can really see that Sankirtan gave Ayanur Prabhu a lot. Like I remember, and it, it, it's also mentioned in the book, that just do um, hours and hours of Sankirtan and just see what happens to your heart. And one time he revealed to me personally, he just said that when I um, did Kirtan, um, he, he, he mentioned the day where he did a lot of Kirtan, and he said the whole night that Kirtan was transcendentally ringing in his heart so deeply that he couldn't sleep at night, right? Because of the holy name was literally like permeating his entire heart and consciousness. So it's like... Because he experienced what Nam Sankirtan could do to his heart, he really wanted devotees to, um, to have this. He really felt that, look, if, if that can happen to me, why can't it happen to every single person? And because it's the Yuga Dharma, because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did it, um, because all the great Vaishnavas did it, because it's the Hare Krishna Sankirtan movement, everyone should do it, you know? And he showed how there is a relation between Sankirtan and therefore going into, um, you know, the deeper aspects of, you know, Raganuga Sadhana um, and really allowing your heart to blossom. So basically he saw Sankirtan as the most powerful way um, to, to blossom um, into Raganuga Sadhana Bhakti. So that was another kind of very... Um, uh, the second important emphasis that he was giving that Nam Sankirtan is basically where it's um, it really comes together. Uh, in, uh, I have and a about the that. third thing, before which, you go into the third thing, uh, go on. So yeah. when when it comes like more uh, yeah. of a, like a, I got a, like a practical question, but when you talk about like this was his, uh, an emphasis, like when you wrote when we when the biography was written is it like his word or is it something that someone heard from him that they said that he said do you know what i mean like how did how did you when it was written how did you communicate these kind of no, philosophical it's, points yeah you in the book, you will you will hear Ayanda Prabhu's voice a lot. So it's almost like whenever we want to put a point, it's not from somebody. It's almost like Ayanda said, and then we'll quote. The book is extensively quoting him. So in fact, okay. Kadamba Kanana Maharaj made a comment that you can really hear Ayanda Prabhu's voice because he got the book uh, two days before the launch because we wanted him to you know come for the program, um, even though. It, his health um, may not have supported it at this stage. Um, and he just, he um, um, gave a message to a Kinchan Krishna Prabhu that you can really hear Aindra's voice because he, I think he read quite a lot before um, the, the day of the launch. So wow. what you'll see is Aindra Prabhu's direct voice emphasizing on Kirtan. It, it wasn't just something that he said to somebody and then somebody, you know, put it in the book. Oh, okay. Very cool. Okay. Yeah, go on to the third third point. And the third point is, and, and, and I think this is what um, it lost, because this is, for me, the most kind of beautiful aspect, you know, um, of the book. book. And that is that Ayindra Prabhu, his loyalty to Srila Prabhupada was very, very powerful. Um, and over the years, you know, like, you know, being in, a, in the ISKCON movement a long time, you know, you, you kind of see um, the many sides of ISKCON. You know, you know ISKCON, it's almost like it has so many aspects to it. There's the institution, there's the leaders, there's the bhakti, there's the ways in which the institution operates. And there's the history, which, you know, and there are dark sides of ISKCON's history, right? Nobody can deny it. And I suppose there's dark sides of every institution, right? So there are many, um, unfortunately, devotees um, who may have left ISKCON because they thought that ISKCON doesn't have enough, enough depth. So when you first come across ISKCON, you know, beautiful, the philosophy, the devotees, Nam Sankirtan, all 
example of that. But you that, you know, someone else um, outside of ISKCON, but still within the, you know, Vaishnav umbrella um, is giving, you know, very deep um, um, Siddhanta Tattva. So a lot of devotees have migrated and it could be a combination of frustration with the institutional side of the movement. Um, or it could be just because they found, you know, X, um, the, another movement to be, you know, so much more deeper and sweeter. Um, or it could be a combination of the two. So a lot of devotees left ISKCON thinking that, you know, the grass is greener on the other side. There's so much more depth here. But what Aindra Prabhu's life really shows is that despite um, having so, so many difficulties within the institution, um, and I don't think the institute, I'm not, I don't, I, um, I want to say, I don't mean to say that the institution is necessarily some sort of a monster and it's just trying to make every single person's life difficult. Institutions have their ways of operating and we understand that, you know, and you have different levels of devotees and sometimes, you know, the institution can manage, like, as long as devotees are of a certain level and style, they can manage that really well. But Ainda Prabhu was different. You know, you couldn't really manage him because he was very exalted in some ways. And on top of that, he was an artist. Um, you know, so his way of expression was also a little bit unique. So they weren't able to, to manage him in the way that they maybe would have wanted to manage him. And, you know, maybe he didn't need to be managed. Maybe he did. Point is that despite all the difficulty that he had with the management at certain points in his life, um, despite the fact that in Vrindavan, it's a, it's a really hot place to be able to go to so many different places and get rasa, right? From, from Radhakun, from Barsana, from different sects. Ultimately, Aindra Prabhu found all of his rasa, and he actually says this himself, that I've tried to, Srila Prabhupada says that the entire spiritual world is contained within the four walls of the Krishna Balram temple. And he goes, and as much as possible, I've actually tried to do that. You'll see him once or twice going to like another Baba or a Sadhu from a different Vaishnava sect for a technical clarification on something which he couldn't reconcile otherwise. Right? But if you see his loyalty, it was so um, it, it's almost like how a child just does not leave its mother. And that's how Ainda Prabhu was with Srila Prabhupada. And Ainda Prabhu wanted to go very deep. He wanted to know his Swarup because he was that type of character who said that I'm not happy with just knowing that I'm not this body, I'm a soul. I want to know what I am. You know, I want to know what I am for Krishna, right? And the book will show to what degree he actually went um, into or what he did to find out who he was in Radha Krishna's Nitya Leela. Um, and this is it's a very unique thing because I don't think, think I know of anybody who would be willing to go to such depths to find out their, you know, what, what they call their Swarup, right? Srila, Srila Prabhupada mentions this, you know, very openly that, you know, every devotee has, you know, a Swarup which can be augmented um, if their bhajan is done properly. So what Aindra Prabhu did, but he didn't get his from this sector, that sector, or any sort of Siddha Pranali Diksha. Um, he got it from Srila Prabhupada. And that is the kind of, the, the high potency of Srila Prabhupada to reveal things to a qualified disciple. Um, and it's not that ISKCON doesn't have rasa. ISKCON, some people don't care. They just, it depends which generation you're talking to and what mindset you're talking to. But, you know, obviously the disciples of Srila Prabhupada, they'll all be like, you know, Srila Prabhupada was the most amazing person. But then you've got people who weren't initiated by Srila Prabhupada, and that's absolutely fine. You know, the second generation. And sometimes they question, was Srila Prabhupada able to give everything? And Ainda Prabhu demonstrated this. And that's what makes this book um, very beautiful because it highlights that aspect. Wow, that's I I wouldn't have thought that that would have been one of the main points of the book. That's really interesting. And uh, another kind of practical thing 
when you talk about kind of very intimate aspects like of of his life now these are things that he said to uh, in in his own book and also to other devotees or to because i'm still trying to understand like when you're talking about such high topics like especially about his own um service in the nitilila etc cetera, etc cetera. how do you gather such information about that so <clears throat> it's a combination between what he revealed to devotees and also what he said himself so if you see like where we're quoting from devotees and if you see where we're quoting from him um you will see a consistency um, and that's how you know that it's not just one or two devotees really trying to impose their understanding of Ayanda Prabhu um, on the audience. Um, there's a lot of information which actually comes from Ayanda Prabhu. In fact, if you if you read, um, if you hear a lot of his like room conversations. So in fact, once Ayanda Prabhu gave me um, this CD called Secret Recordings. And I, I, I asked him, I said, what is this? And he says, well, whenever... I was talking to devotees, I would tell people not to record this, but they still did it anyway. And then one day they came to me and he said, and they said, oh, a lot of um, things which he's revealing in those lectures and a lot of our information comes from there as well. Wow. <laughs> so things that he didn't know were being recorded, I guess, don't record this. He, yeah. Someone recorded it anyways, and then, it, wow, amazing. And um, what is your yeah? What is your main point now that, okay, the book has been written, it's been printed. How many copies were printed, and, and how, where has it gone to, and, and how can, like, what is your, what is your, as the producer of the book, what is your hope for for the book yeah so <clears throat> i'm ambitious as a person my hope is to sell 100,000 copies um sell is probably the wrong word because the entire committee um of the book we're not interested in you know making money um and we've made it very clear um we want this book we're almost we're actually giving the book at cost price to most people. Um, anything extra which we make um, is all going to, to donation for um, the 24-hour kirtan. Um, there's some distributors who will make a margin, but not a very big one. And that's okay because we have to do that. You know, we have to incentivize um, some people um, to be able to sell the book. But the idea is that we have millions of devotees in ISKCON. We have um, millions of ISKCON followers, um, even people who are kind of on the fringe, like, you know, um, loyal to ISKCON, like ISKCON, but even if they're not like 100% like serious or initiated. So we have so many. And the idea is over the next five years, we want 100,000 people to read the book, not just possess it. Um, and why do I say that is because I really feel that Ainda Prabhu was a saint amongst saints. And this is not taking away from, um, you know, anybody. Um, you know, we have wonderful, wonderful devotees in our movement. We have wonderful sannyasis in our movement. We have devotees who have dedicated, you know, their life to the movement, unsung heroes, you know, people who have done such seemingly menial service and never asked for any recognition for it. But I think with Ainder Prabhu, he was just a little bit of a cut above that. And this is seen by the fact that so many, um, you know, it's like it, it, you have followers of one sannyasi, then you have followers of another sannyasi. No, it naturally goes in groups and that's absolutely fine. But Ainder Prabhu was almost like a common guru for so many people you know like mm -hmm. you know 50 or 60 percent of you know this um guru's disciples also love ayinder prabhu and 50 percent of this um you know sannyasi's guru's disciples they, they also love ayinder prabhu so he was such a without being a guru he was such a common inspiration especially for the younger generation of people 
But at the same time, younger generation devotees, I think they've taken to Ainda Prabhu's melodies. They've taken to a style of kirtan. Dare I say, you know, even the way, like, you know, the, the harmonium, they're interested in the, the, the style of his harmonium, the style of his clothes, the style of his talking. And that happens, you know, people become fascinated by the external things. But what this book does is it pushes his internal life. And it's not just about the external stuff. That's good. It's a, you know, entry point, um, you know, but it's not, um, it, that's, you, um, it's not Ainda Prabhu. You, if um, there was one devotee who was singing Ainda Prabhu's tunes, well, when Ainda Prabhu was living and he, Ainda Prabhu went to him, he went there for darshan just randomly. Then he went to the devotee and he said, you can copy my tunes, but you can't copy my bhav. And what he was <laughs> trying to emphasize on was that th there is a depth that we all need to get to. So I really think for the younger generation, as modern as we are, you know, I'm one of them. I'm not even wearing a tilak right now and look at the way I'm dressed in a way, right? I'm in my office. But um, the younger generation, right, we really need to understand um, what the depth is. Kirtan is, is it's, it's, um, it's definitely a, it's an, an amazing um, limb of bhakti, but there's a lot more to it. And that's what we need to take from that. So my hope is that this younger generation will read this book, be inspired to mold their life according to um, displayed by him and um, Vaishnavs of similar caliber. Um, in terms of just kind of the numbers and stuff, we've distributed about 1,250 uh, 1, books so far. Kindle version is available um, to anybody. It's like $6 or something. Yeah. Then um, there is a hardbound Amazon cover going to be up in the next 48 hours or so. Um, we're, just, we're discussing with devotees in UK to do like launch programs. What I really would like is for devotees to do like these kind of like the biography programs. So like devotees get together, they first get like 100, 200, 300 books, do a program, do kirtan, and then distribute the book. I've, I've got about 5,000. 5, so we've printed 5,000 copies. So we've got about 3,700, 800 um, in a store in Vrindavan. So anyone who approaches me and says, look, I want, um, you know, 100 books, 150 books, which is already happening. Um, I just literally say, all right, this is the cost of raw cost of production. You know, go out and um, distribute it. And that's the way we're working at the moment. Wow. Yeah, I know. I do, I do definitely think uh, Ayendra Prabhu was such an influence to all kinds of devotees in ISKCON, uh, especially the younger generation. Uh, just a funny story. There's some boys in my temple here in New Jersey who are kind of like 18, 19 years old. They went to Vrindavan and they spent like a month or two living in Vrindavan just associating with the devotees of the 24-hour kirtan and when they came back they did a bhakti viksha program and they they actually spoke the, the the young men they spoke and uh i could just tell the what that like they were you know quite a few years removed from when Ainda prabhu left but they were just very influenced by everything he was about you know about harinam sankirtan being you know the the ultimate, uh, you know, devotional service to perform to get, you know, love for Krishna and just uh, spending time in Rindavan and doing Kirtan and things like that. So that influence is still very present there in Rindavan and with the devotees of uh, of the followers of Ayinder Prabhu. And I, I, I think, wow, wow, you know, his his influence is still rippling as as the years have gone on you know it's been what now 10 12 years since he since he left but the influence is still very much there and i i commend you prabhu for for actually getting this book out there and i would recommend if devotees get in contact with you um i'll i'll put your you know contact details there at the end but uh 
it's a great idea to have a program together in your locality, get some books and try to distribute the books to, um, to others. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, thank you so much. Bruce, yeah, for, for sure. That would be it. it. It's, it would be a great service. Sorry. I, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, I can I just adjust my internet and then you can say that last bit again. Okay, yeah. Is that okay? Yes. Okay, I'm just adjusting it now. We're just waiting. Okay. Namras Prabhu, how is this uh, in terms of streaming quality? Um, it's, it's, it's okay. I mean, I, I have you back now before it was frozen. Like not, um, jumping or cutting or whatever. Yeah. So can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, so what I was saying at the end there was that I encourage devotees to get together in their locality to get copies of the book and have a program, which is could be like a mini book, you know, launch yeah. or a program or whatever, and try to have kirtan and have um, give out books and and uh, you know, said get in contact with you if they want to get a more quantity. A bigger quantity of books than they might have or get from Amazon. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it's it's it, it would be a great thing, and also I'm encouraging devotees. Um, you know, so anyone listening to this podcast, if you you know, if you read the book, and you know, if you like it, um, and of course we hope you do, then. I'm encouraging devotees to leave a review and share it on social media because this is the only way we'll get to kind of really get the book out there. You know, people will see it. They'll be like, oh, you know, I didn't realize that there was a biography about Ainda Prabhu. I'd love to get it. Then they get their hands on the copy. And that's the way, like, I'm hoping that it will spread. Um, yeah. yeah. Great. Well, uh, uh, thank you so much for joining me and talking about the book and for producing producing such a book. As I said, I read it. Uh, the beginning of it, 30, first 30 pages, and I'm so excited to re continue reading it because, you know, I, I really want to understand what he was about. And um, and I think that the depth that which this book goes, even just in the beginning of his life, you know, talking about his family and his uh, his girlfriend and the way that that developed and things like that was so, uh, so much detail into his mind and what he was thinking and his background yeah. kind of is just so um, amazingly written and um hopefully in the future if Kalachandji Prabhu is listening I'd love to have him on too to talk about it yeah but, uh, but if 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 you want to get in contact with uh, Yadavendra Prabhu or anybody on that team go to this website www.iendrabiography.com uh, you can also find it on Amazon. Uh, Prabhu said you could get it on Amazon probably in the next forty-eight hours. Uh, it will be up, but Kindle is already there. So if you're if you're a Kindle user, go ahead and buy it on Kindle. Get start reading it. I, I'm I'm someone who likes like actual books, but you know Kindle. I, I was really eager to start reading it, and uh, yeah. it did not disappoint for sure. 
Yeah, and thank you, Namras Prabhu, for um, agreeing to you know host us. I really wanted Kalachandji Prabhu to be here as well with me, um, but you know, unfortunately, he couldn't. And hopefully, in the future, there'll be another opportunity. But I, I thank you wholeheartedly for you know helping us um, make people aware that there is such a book. Um, you know, right. very grateful to you, Hare Krishna. Right. Thank you so much, Prabhu. I really appreciate it. Oh, and I did want to. Um... Before we go, actually, I did want to touch yeah. upon um, your own journey. Um, you were talking before we started recording. I really appreciated some of the things you were saying about your own journey. I think a lot of devotees can, who are listening can also benefit from your personal uh, experience with your phases. I mean, I also, you know, almost, I mean, my, par my parents became devotees like a month after I was born and in yeah. ISKCON. But... but your journey in appreciating ISKCON more um, after, uh, uh, you know, uh, associating with Ainder Prabhu and understanding that, you know, there is everything here in ISKCON and there might be issues here and there, but as a whole, there is, is something really beautiful. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Just um, Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> so in fact, it, it happened much later. So up until Ainda Prabhu leaving, um, you know, ISKCON was just beautiful. And I think Ainda Prabhu was 80% of the reason why ISKCON was beautiful. Him and Radha Shamsundar, that was kind of ISKCON for me. Um, and 20% was just everything that was happening around it. Um, but when he left, there was a massive hole for me personally. Like, you know, even Vrindavan just didn't seem appealing. Um, but it just meant that, you know, I had to, you know, continue. And, you know, as you kind of grow and mature in ESCON, you sometimes take on responsibility services, things like that. You encounter, you have to work with other devotees. And it just ended up that I got often frustrated um, with the way ESCON management would sometimes deal with situations. Um, I got frustrated on many levels. Um, I got disappointed on many levels. Um, you know, I would see that, you know, the younger generation were becoming like so modern. You know, I, I come from a more traditional cultured family, you know, um, and I just felt ISKCON's become extremely like, you know, divorced from like, you know, culture. I mean, little things like, you know, there was, I remember like there was just like an Indian family um, walking in America. I know I'd, I'd gone there for like a wedding and a devotee, you know, um, one of the devotee girls decided that it was okay for her to walk around with those traditional parents in like just literally like an underwear and like, you know, just a top swimsuit. And I just, I thought to myself, like, I have never experienced, you know, something so open um, in my life. And I just thought, I don't want to be part of a society which almost imbibes Western values into the Krishna conscious movement. So, so, um, so many of those kind of things started putting me off and I was thinking like, do I really want to be part of this? There must be other fringe, um, you know, Vaishnav groups that would be better suited towards me. And for a long time, I was thinking, and I, I still have affiliation with a lot of them, even today, like I could easily go to someone and probably get initiated by them, you know? Um, but at that time, I just, I prayed to Radha Shamsundar, um, the deities, and I just said, look, I really need help because I'm kind of on a cusp over here. And suddenly something really interesting happened that my appreciation for Srila Prabhupada and for ISKCON just really started to grow again. Um, and it's like now I've, I'm almost kind of like falling in love with ISKCON. Like when I was in Vrindavan in um you know, just a few weeks ago, promoting the book. And every evening we'd go and offer a lamp. And I just thought, like, my heart felt so happy. And I just felt so grateful that, you know, I'm in this movement. There's just so many devotees. doesn't matter. And in fact, I realized, forget anyone else. The problem is me. It's, it's my conditioning and it's my consciousness, which, is, which needs to rise above um, a lot of the issues which I'm seeing. There's issues going to be there all the time. And if I'm sincere, I'll get association with those people who are of my wavelength. And within ISKCON, I can be very happy and create Sajatya Snigdha Vaishnav Sangha, as they call it, like association with like-minded people. I don't have to associate with people 
that, you know, maybe are from a completely different culture within ISKCON to me. They believe in Krishna, but they're, you know, kind of that cultural stance is a little bit different and that's fine. You know, I'm not going to sit there and spend my life judging them or thinking why they do such things, but I'm really beginning to see beauty in ISKCON. Um, and that's, um, I'm really happy with that. It's almost like I went through a circle and now I'm kind of moving back towards the point of, you know, where I started. Right. Yeah. Rather than away from it. Yeah. Love that. I love that a lot. You know, it's like you're seeing, everyone's seeing, it's like the same ISKCON, but you're looking at it from a different angle of vision, right? You're, you might've had certain angle of vision yeah. at one point, but then as time goes on, you know, you know, whatever happens, Krishna's mercy, even like that. Now the angle of vision is in a different way and you see another beauty of it that you might not have seen previously. I can relate with that also very much. So I really love that. Um, yes. Yeah, so yeah. Thanks for sharing that personal. <laughs> yeah. And just to add to that, that one last thing I would just wanted to say, and that Ainda Prabhu really um, is, is a shining person because he also went through all that institutional difficulty. Right. And I think every devotee, whether even if you're the GBC chairman, you're going to go through institutional difficulty. No one is going to be spared from it. Um, um, and having gone through it, but remaining in ISKCON and seeing the beauty within our movement. Right. I think it's um, you, you need a lot of prayer um, to help you when you're struggling. But if you pray sincerely, um, I think that's what changes the game. And you need inspiration from people like Aindra Prabhu. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank thank you again, and uh, I, I'm sure devotees will get in touch with you to to try to get acquire the book and to just get any information about the book. So um, that's really really, and I'm really excited to continue reading it. So, all right, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, this is um, a, a a shorter episode just to to promote the book and to hear from Yadavendra Prabhu. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening on all audio platforms as well as YouTube and Facebook. Thanks, everyone. Uh, Yadavendra Prabhu, please stay on. I'm just going to turn off the recording. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna.